The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Want to fearlessly explore your creative spirit? Join artist Susie K. Edwards for Path of the Butterfly, a weekend workshop at Omega Institute's beautiful campus in Rhinebeck, New York, May 24th through 26th. Experiment with a variety of art forms, engage in mindfulness, walking, and silent meditation, and discover a new and free-flowing creative vision. This workshop is for beginners and professional artists. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Feng Shui with Christina Hollinger. I am so glad you're here. And let me just tell you, I know this is called Feng Shui with Christina Hollinger, but if you've been listening for a little while, you know that we really cover such a wide range of topics. And my intention is always just to help you to expand your manifesting toolbox And when we talk about manifesting and attracting what it is that you desire, there's one thing that I know for sure, spiritual guidance and guidance from the universe, maybe your angels, spirit guides, whatever it is that resonates with you, that is an essential part of stepping into your dreams and expanding into a greater version of yourself. I truly believe that if you have big dreams, they were meant for you to fulfill. And I also believe that it takes some level of spiritual guidance and reassurance that you're on the right path in order to step into those huge dreams. Sometimes our dreams are so big, they scare us. And we feel like, oh, how could I ever fulfill that? And the answer is, You ask for help. You ask for help from the universe and from your guides. So this brings me to today's episode, which is called, What is the Knowing with Sage and Serena Dyer? Sage and Serena wrote a book called The Knowing, and they agreed to come on my show, which was the biggest honor, because let me tell you, you guys. I have been a huge fan of Dr. Wayne Dyer's work for many years, starting in my early twenties. So I can't say my entire life, but starting in my early twenties, I remember putting a CD in my car and it was a CD of Dr. Wayne Dyer. I remember it was lime green. It was like a five or six disc series. And he was doing a lecture on the power of intention. And that was my first introduction to Dr. Wayne Dyer. And I actually wrote a blog about this like five years ago, maybe. And it was, I actually might even put it in the show notes just for fun. I wrote a blog about this five years ago called the Facebook like that changed my life. And as I was preparing to interview Sage and Serena, I was actually going through some of my old blogs and things like that. And it was kind of cool because it was like my past self was reminding me of my journey of how I went from being a, you know, 
a lost soul, so to speak, 12, 10 years ago, how I discovered feng shui and then how it opened up my world to spiritual guides like Dr. Wayne Dyer. And essentially I liked his page and within the next month, he actually passed away suddenly, which was shocking to all of his fans, his whole entire community. And the interesting thing about this Facebook like was Wayne had been really active on his Facebook page and he was posting things about Hay House Radio, which I had never heard of before. Now, if you don't know what Hay House is, it's a publishing company that is located in California. It was founded by a woman called Louise Hay, who wrote a book called You Can Heal Your Life. And essentially, she talks about affirmations that you can say to heal your physical body because she believed and she um, taught that physical ailments like headaches, knee aches, body pains were actually attached to emotional blocks and perhaps emotional traumas that have never been released. And so that's a long way of saying it, but she ended up starting a publishing company and all of the authors and teachers that worked with Louise were essentially in that same belief. And, and Dr. Wayne Dyer was very much like that, where he, you know, he had had cancer and he would, he did so many things. He was so spiritually aware and he did so many things to truly heal himself of cancer. And that being said, on his page, he introduced me to Doreen Virtue, who at the time was the first person who ever taught me how to communicate with angels and what angel numbers mean. And I was introduced to the Hay House Writers Workshop, where CEO Reed Tracy, who was also Wayne's best friend, hosted the Hay House Writers Workshop in Chicago in 2015, might have been 2016. But I attended that event. It was after Wayne had passed away and I was able to tell Reed how much Wayne had influenced me. I know it was still very, like very fresh. People were still very much mourning his, the loss of Dr. Wayne Dyer in the physical presence. Um, But it was like this special moment that I was able to talk to the CEO of Hay House. I did not pitch him my book at all. I just said, you know what? Thank you for doing this. Thank you for helping spiritual entrepreneurs like me tell our story. Thank you for helping me tell my story. Thank you for helping me share this wisdom and knowledge. Thank you. Because truly I was able to publish my book through Balboa Press, a division of Hay House because of the Hay House Writers Workshop. And all of this to say, because I liked Dr. Wayne Dyer's Facebook page, I was introduced to Hay House and I was able to publish my book through Hay House and so on and so forth. So I didn't get to tell Serena and Sage all of that, but what I was able to, it was kind of funny, like right after the interview, I stopped recording and the girls just said like, Hey, Christina, like, thank you. You have such great energy, which that's a huge compliment. Right. And after the show, I went into the living room and there was this huge white feather on the couch. 
And I texted Sage and I just said, I think we were talking about something and I just mentioned it to her that like, I just got off the call with you and here's this huge white feather, which if you look at the cover of their book, the knowing that's the cover, because it's all about truly magical signs and things that have happened since their father passed away, ways that they've been able to keep in touch with their father, even though he's in a different form now. And I just really felt Wayne's presence very strongly throughout this interview. I know he was like with us, watching us, and he wants you to hear this message today. He really wants whoever listens to this episode to know that you are not alone, that your angels and guides want to communicate with you. If you've lost a loved one, you can ask them to send you signs. And he also just wants you to know to ask for signs for any decision. It can even be what you're going to have for lunch. Ask for signs and get in the habit of it because the more you can get in tune with the light, the higher power, God, consciousness, source, creator, the universe, the more you can get in tune with it and realize it's a two-way communication. It's not just you're talking to the universe. The universe responds when you invite it in. He wants you to know that. And I can tell he wants you to know that through my conversation with Sage and Serena. You are going to be blown away. If you are a Wayne Dyer fan, you're going to just love this interview because they are just, they're like, they're going to be on stage soon. Like right now they both have young kids. I'll read their bios in a second. They're both young moms. Sage is in New York city, owns a restaurant with her husband. I believe she lives in Manhattan. And when I interviewed her, you know, her little one was in daycare right down the stairs and she had to go get him at noon. And Serena has three kids in Florida. So lucky her, she gets the nice warm weather all year round, but she also tells like some really good stories. Oh my gosh. I like, I'm going to stop talking. I like, I, I need to stop because you need to hear this interview because it's so, so good. Okay. So let me introduce them. Let me read their bios, but first let me quick read one of the most recent reviews for the show. Please. If you like the show, leave a review. I am fairly new on this in this space of podcasting. Um, and it's just been a huge blessing that I've been able to reach as many people as I have so early on. And when you leave a review, you help others find me too. So this was, um, a message from Drex seven, eight, nine, and she said, loving crystals, because that's right. I do have a crystal episode with D O jury. And if you haven't listened to it yet, you might really want to listen to it. Cause it's a really cool way to find out how to protect your energy and also manifest with crystals. So Drex said, just when I was wanting to know more about crystals, Christina has an episode on crystals with someone who is an expert. Christina had many episodes that helped the feng shui newbie like me. I appreciate her podcasts. They are great length and not heavy. So I can listen and learn while commuting. She brings great content to us and I'm glad it's here to always refer back to. Thank you for podcast tips and knowledge. Thank you, Drax. And I think that's awesome that you mentioned, like you can refer back to these episodes. Some of them are like 
grab a notebook and paper and take some notes because I'm a teacher. (laughs) I've been teaching for 15 years and I love to teach. This is not one of those teaching episodes. This is just going to be a very inspirational episode for you. Definitely one that you can listen to on a jog or while you're cleaning the house, folding laundry, et cetera. But yeah, um, this summer I'm pro I have enough episodes to make it through June. So probably once I take a little break from season one, I'll just, um, you know, send out some reminders of some of the episodes that you can revisit in July, August, et cetera. So thank you again for that awesome review. And again, if anyone has anything else to say, please feel free to leave a review anytime I welcome it. And I love to share them on the air. Okay. So let's get into it. I'm going to first read Sage's bio. So you kind of have some background on her. Sage is a 31 year old woman living in New York city. Sage grew up in Boca Raton, Florida and moved to New York where she graduated from NYU with a master's degree in psychology. She's the co-author of the new book, The Knowing, which explores how she was able to return to her return to the teachings of her father, Dr. Wayne Dyer, after he passed away. She has published a children's book titled Goodbye Bumps that tells the true story of how she was able to heal herself as a child through the power of the mind. So Louise, hey, right, everybody? Like, it's incredible. This really is real. Wayne would talk about it with Sage um, years ago. So check it out. It's called Goodbye Bumps. Sage often traveled with her dad to speak to audiences, and she recently appeared on his PBS special. Sage is a mother to her little boy, Julian, and she also has a little baby. Um, and she enjoys traveling, learning, and spending time with loved ones. Being the youngest of eight children is always, and family has always been an important part of her life. Now let's go on to Serena. Serena's the older sister. Serena is the sixth of the Wayne and Marceline Dyer's eight children. Serena attended the University of Miami, where she received bachelor's and master's degrees, and now lives in South Florida with her husband and three children. Serena co-authored her first book with her father, Dr. Wayne Dyer in 2014, and it's called don't die with your music still in you. And let me just tell you, it's such a good read. It's so good. It's a beautiful way of Serena taking her perspective of her father's spiritual teachings. And then her father, Dr. Wayne Dyer, like comments at the end of every single chapter on his interpretation. It's just like really beautiful. So I highly recommend that book as well. Um, Okay. So Serena's most recent book, of course, is The Knowing, which she co-authored with Sage and it's out now. We're about to talk a little bit about it. You're about to get super inspired. And I just have to tell you, we only talked about like two or three of the stories that are within the book. And it's a very, like, there's so much to the book and it's, I would just highly recommend it to anybody who has lost, lost a loved one and wants to know, kind of is going through the grieving process and wants to know how to heal and also how to still feel connected with your loved one who you've lost. I also recommend this book to anyone who really wants to strengthen their spiritual connection 
and their connection with their angels and guides in order to manifest their dreams. So pretty much, I feel like everyone listening needs to get this book, but anyway, I digress and I will now step back and cut to the interview so you can enjoy the conversation between Sage and Serena Dyer. Enjoy this episode. All right. Hi, Sage. Hi, Serena. Welcome to the show. Thanks for being here today. How are you both doing? We're happy to be here. Also, yeah. Thank you for having us. Well, I'm so glad you're here. I know that a lot of the listeners are really excited that you're here today because they're so curious to know what Wayne Dyer's daughters are like. And also really curious. I, my very, very first podcast episode was all about following the signs and knowing that we are not alone and that the universe is always guiding us. So I feel like today's conversation is just going to be extremely rich because as I was looking through your book, the knowing, um, there's so many good stories in here about how you have followed the sign and divine guidance in your life. So thank you again for being here. I wanted to before we dive into any conversation or anything, I wanted to give you each just kind of an opportunity to introduce yourself. Let us know a little bit about you, where, you know, where you fall in the family. I know you're a family of, you know, eight, eight. right? So <laughs> if, if you want to introduce yourself, we can start stages at the top of my screen. I'll let you go ahead and introduce yourself. If you don't mind. Okay, great. Yeah, sure. Of course. Um, so I'm Sage. I'm the youngest of the eight. Um, I am 32 years old. I live in New York City and I have two kids and um, I have a master's in counseling, which I'm not currently using, but (laughs) I am certified and hope to use it uh, soon. I have an eight month old, so I don't do a lot of work outside the house at the moment, but um, definitely enjoy doing interviews like this, promoting our book and diving into this kind of work. And I'm... I'm Serena. I am Sage's older sister. I'm number six out of eight. I'm 36. I live in South Florida in Fort Lauderdale with my husband and our three children. And um, really Sage and I just in this last year have been um, getting the message out about our book and doing, like she said, interviews and podcasts and having conversations, just trying to um, really remind people that, um, that there is no such thing as death that it's just the next phase, that it's um, very much, we are having a human experience as a spiritual being, that the body is not the end for us. When the body dies, the spirit continues. And, and that um, what Sage and I wrote about in our book, which we, we were raised to know and we absolutely believe is that this time in this life is our time in the classroom and that all of us need different amounts of time in the classroom. Some of us need two years, some of us need 80 years, Um, but that ultimately we all do go home. And because of the way we were raised and because of our upbringing, even though Sage wrote about um, how she was a skeptic at times in our book of some of what our dad talked about, we still had a knowing that we were being guided by something greater than ourselves. And we still had a knowing that we could communicate with our dad, even though he had died. And it was just a matter of learning Um, learning how to establish that new relationship. And, and that has been the case for us. And that's what we really wrote about. So um, yeah, that's, that's it. (laughs) I love that as you're talking. So my first introduction to your father was I had these 
CDs of him speaking on PBS about the power of intention. And he would say that we live in a parentheses of infinity, right? Mm -hmm. And so I remember being in my twenties, driving my car, listening to CDs when they still were around. And it would help me to like, just feel so much more connected and so much more at ease. And it's so fun to hear you talk to Rena and Sage. Cause it's like, you're like you, your father just works through you. And it's really that oneness that, that higher knowing that higher self. I think it's interesting how you mentioned that Sage at one point was a skeptic because I did actually kind of want to ask a question about a specific story that she shared when she was walking with her father, when you were walking with your dad and you were kind of questioning the conversation. Do you, do you want to talk a little bit about that and how, how you had like started to feel like you were connected to your dad? Yeah, um, sure. It it was a big uh, journey for me because, so our dad died very suddenly in August of 2015. And up until that point in my life, um, I hadn't struggled. Well, first of all, I had never lost anybody that, that I was very close to, uh, in my life. And I hadn't, struggled a lot. I was 25. I, you know, I grew up in a great family and, you know, I had my things, but overall I had a pretty smooth sailing path up until that point where my dad died. So I grew up with these spiritual parents who um, regularly talked about all the things Serena just touched on in our introduction about, you know, death is just a, a walking into the other room, a shedding of the physical, the spirit is birthless, it's deathless. Um, you know, my dad, like you said, I have that quote written down that our lives are but a parentheses. And I thought it was eternity, but infinity, same thing. Um, I have that written down. I think I wrote about it in the book, because I remember hearing my dad say that too, and wanting to sort of envelop that idea and live from that space, but it's not so easy to do. It's not just a flip of a switch. I mean, you have to, it takes practice and it takes um, repetition and reminding yourself of that on a daily basis. So when my dad died, I felt sort of at like a crossroads of, am I going to be able to apply all of these ideas that I grew up around and that I've always sort of thought were true, but never been challenged to really believe them because nobody close to me had died before. And so I found myself in a place of like um, wanting my dad to prove to me that he was still around and that he could still communicate with me and that everything that he had taught in his life was true. And I found myself being very drawn to his work, but still challenging the things that he was saying and the videos that I would watch or the books that I would read. And, um, in the early days, I was very caught up in grief, and uh, which is totally normal. And I think um, we should all not be judgmental of ourselves for being in that space of grieving because it's uh, normal, healthy, and important. Um, but there was a point where I just, I continually found myself thinking um, I would be grieving, I'd be crying, I'd be devastated. And I would think, just call dad. And uh, then I would have this feeling set in of, you'll never do that again. You know, and it was this loop I was on of just constantly reliving that um, and digesting that idea of you'll never call that again. You'll never see him again. You'll never hug him again. And I was torturing myself with these thoughts. So one time when that happened, I stopped myself. Um, it had been a couple of weeks after he died. And I said, okay, Sage, you, this is all true. You're never going to call that again. You're never going to hug him again. You're never going to, you know, he's never going to open the door to his condo and you're going to walk in and sit down and have dinner with him. It's not going to be like that anymore. 
but um but you have a lifetime of knowing him what would he say to you now what would he say what have you heard him say to people who are in the same place you're in now in a space of grief and um just devastation and loss and i felt like i heard him say to me answer that question in my mind um you can either choose to make this the worst thing that's ever happened to you you can uh I was at a place where I was either going to go back to school for the semester or take the semester off because it was starting in a, in a few days. And so I felt like he was saying you could take the semester off, you could stay stuck, you could, you know, move back to Florida, let go of your life, all of these things. Or you could uh, choose to see this as an opportunity to grow as a person, to uh, get in touch with your spirituality and to foster your relationship with me, with my dad. Um, and I, and I was, you know, I was very taken by that moment. And I thought like, yeah, I can do either of those things and I can still grieve him and choose to foster a new relationship with him. And so I just started to be open to that. Um, whereas before I think I was closed down and that choice to be open to getting to know my dad from the other side is what uh, allowed me to start seeing the signs that were probably already there, um, allowed me to um, have dreams about him that I believe were visitations because they were so real. And, and it allowed me to start to think of my dad in a way that made me smile. You know, no longer this, I'm never going to see him again, tears, 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 which did still happen sometimes, but more remembering the all the fun, beautiful, loving times that I had with him. And I started to experience him in my life. And the story that you referenced, that was a very long-winded answer, but the story that you referenced about, I had this experience where I was in Maui and I would go for a walk every afternoon. Maui is where our dad lived. And um, I would go for a walk every afternoon. And I, uh, one of the days that I was doing that, I was feeling tired and I wanted to turn around. And, and I felt like I heard my dad's voice say, go walk in the sand because I was walking on the sidewalk and it was very hot. So I was like, okay, that's not a bad idea. Yeah, I just went with it. I got to a place where I was going with these things. So I went and I walked in the sand, but I didn't really feel any better. I was still hot and I was still tired and I wanted to turn around. And so I, um, I heard his voice again say, now walk where the sand is wet and, and take your shoes off. And so I did that and I went down to the sand and as soon as the water hit my feet, I felt like a relief, a, a new sense of energy. And then I just felt enveloped by my dad as if he were walking with me on that walk. And I didn't want it to end. And I, I walked way longer than I usually would. I, I should have said this at the beginning, but I used to do this walk with my dad when he was alive and he would do the same walk every afternoon. And whenever I was with him, we would do it together. So I can, when I was out there, I would do this walk. And on that day, I really felt or knew that he was walking beside me. And then I saw whales and it was just like a whole magical thing. And um, it was one of my first experiences because I've heard him say and other people say, I can feel my father, my mother, whoever, people who had passed on, I can feel them with me right now. And I would always think, but can you really? <laughs> Are you just saying that? What does that actually feel like? You know, because like I said, I'm skeptical. Anyway, on that day, I felt him with me. No one can tell me that I was, that, that he wasn't there. I know it in, in, inside of me in a way that I can't explain. 
Want to fearlessly explore your creative spirit? Join artist Susie K. Edwards for Path of the Butterfly, a weekend workshop at Omega Institute's beautiful campus in Rhinebeck, New York, May 24 through 26. Experiment with a variety of art forms, engage in mindfulness, walking, and silent meditation, and discover a new and free-flowing creative vision. This workshop is for beginners and professional artists. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. It's the knowing. It's that knowing. <laughs> yeah. Really. And, really, and it all is. these stories like that in this book that are just even your mom in the foreword explains right. how she had a knowing and essentially saved one of your sister's lives because in, she had that intuition and the knowing mm-hmm. to call the hospital. And um, also, I, I think it was a connect, connected to the story. You said you went to the store afterwards and it ran up like $77 and 77 cents. Um, yeah. Serena, you even had a story in he- and you said, oh, and it's in the seventh chapter and you looked up what the meaning of seven, it's a spiritual meaning. And I'm a numbers person. I, in fact, your father, in a sense, introduced me to repeating numbers and what they mean. Um, I liked his Facebook page right before he passed actually. And it was like, so interesting because he introduced me and opened up my eyes to Hay House Radio. And I got introduced to all these different teachers. And one of the teachers was all about, you know, number signs and how they're significant. And Serena, you had an incredible story about, um, you have, was it your stepson that you lost? Mm -hmm. Is that correct? And he showed you a sign on a license plate during a very dramatic moment in yeah. your life. I don't know if you want to share that story, but when we sure. talk about signs, I feel like they are there for us to help know that we're being connected to those that we have lost. Would you like to share that story, Serena? Yeah, I'll just say that um, similar to Sage, also I'll tell you the Mason story as well, but similar to Sage, um, right after my dad had passed, I had a similar feeling of, I was, I'm not somebody that exercises and I do not like going for walks, but I had just had a baby and I wanted to sort of, you know, start losing the baby weight. So, um, I was pushing my daughter in a stroller in our neighborhood here in Fort Lauderdale. And it was so hot. There were no trees providing shade. So literally something just said to me, like, just drive to another neighborhood and park so that I'd be walking in the shade. And so I did, I just, which would be totally like the first chance I had to like not have to continue walking. I normally would take it and be like, it's too hot. Let's just go inside. But for whatever reason, I like lugged the stroller in the car, put her in the car seat. And I drove to another neighborhood nearby where I knew there was a ton of trees. I parked and this is my first time ever. I think actually the only time ever I've walked in this neighborhood. And as I'm doing that, I get to a part in the sidewalk where somebody had written in the sidewalk you know, when it's like wet, people will sometimes write like initials and the concrete or names. And as I'm walking and I'm thinking about my dad, um, somebody had written in the sidewalk, Wayne Hart. So of course I stopped and took a picture and I was like, Hey, dad definitely told me to go there and do this walk, um, to let me know that he was with me because why else would I have ever, I've never done it before or since. So anyway, I had, you know, there was so many like that, so many, um, without a doubt signs that, we talk about in the book that are like documented, but excuse me, but um, the one with my stepson Mason um, was really, really incredible because as you said, I lost my stepson um, in September of 2017. And in the few months before Mason passed away, um, my husband was on trial. Mason's dad was on trial. Um, He was indicted and arrested for 
all of these all of these charges relating to his business, um, like white collar type crimes. And he he wanted to go to trial because he was adamant that he defend himself um, because he felt very strongly that he was innocent. And um, so he went through a whole like eight week trial. I mean, it was a, one of the most stressful experiences of our entire lives. And um, and at the end of that trial, he was found guilty of one count. He was acquitted of the rest. He was found guilty of one count. So we were getting ready for his sentencing where he'd be sentenced to federal prison. And, um, and the week he was supposed to be sentenced, Mason died. Mason was in North Carolina visiting his mom for the first time. Um, my husband had raised him as a single father his entire life and he was visiting his mom for the first time in North Carolina and he had an accidental drug overdose in North Carolina. So um, as you can imagine, the devastation and the, the shock and the, just the terror of that. Um, and because that's not the focus of this story, I'll just get to the point. Um, they postponed sentencing. So then my husband's sentencing was scheduled for November. And in November, he was sentenced to seven years in federal prison. So um, he had to surrender on January 12th. That was his surrender date, January 12th, 2018. And he was going to a, a minimum security, almost more like a camp um, prison in Pensacola, Florida. And the closest airport to Pensacola, closest major airport was New Orleans. So my husband said goodbye to our two daughters um, after just having buried his son. And he and I flew together, just the two of us, up to New Orleans um, because I was going to drive him to the federal prison camp for his surrender the following morning. So this was on January 11th, 111. Um, so we get to New Orleans on January 11th and we're just in shock. We're not, um, we're not even really comprehending what is about to happen that we're gonna say goodbye to each other tomorrow for years, that the next time I'm gonna hug him, he's gonna be in prison. And I'm going to have gone through security and, you know, just, it was just so unfathomable, the whole experience. So we're there and we keep getting lost because we're not focusing on the fact that we need to get to Pensacola for his surrender the next morning. Um, and we were both just so stressed at one point, he said, let's just have lunch in new Orleans before we make this drive. And I said, okay. So he said, let's just park the car. We had a rental car. Let's just park the car and um, walk and find a place to go have lunch. So I agree, we pull up to this Harrah's Casino because it had like a, a valet area because in New Orleans, it's like impossible to find parking on these all these little one-way streets. So we pull up into this valet area and we're getting out of the car um, and I step out of the passenger side. And as I do, this Mercedes pulls into the valet area really quickly, like really, really fast right next to me, almost so fast, like then slams on the brakes that I kind of like jump back, like who's this asshole like pulling in? It's like, it looks like he's gonna hit me. <laughs> And as I step back, I look at the car and there's a front license plate, like a vanity plate on this Mercedes that had just pulled in really quickly. And I look at it and I, my mouth just drops. And I look at my husband and I'm like, oh my God. And he's holding up his finger and he goes, one second, it's my attorney, one second. And I watch him take the call and I turn back around to snap a photo of the license plate, the one that just almost hit me. And when I look back, at my husband, he is falling to his knees and he has chills covering his entire body and he's sobbing. So I, I run over there and I say, what, what happened? Like, I'm just thinking somebody else died because we had been through so much unexpected trauma 
um, in the recent years and months. And I'm thinking something happened. Something happened to one of our children. Something happened. And then um, he looks at me and he says, I'm not going in. He says, the, the prosecution filed a motion today admitting that they had lied and withheld evidence during the trial, which we knew they did, but we couldn't prove it. And he said, the judge has stayed the prison sentence. I'm not going in we're going home. And I just started like, like sobbing. I couldn't believe it. I was just like, are you serious? Is this like, are you sure? Are you sure? Are you sure? Like just wanted to know for sure. And I said to him, Oh my God, Matt, it was Mason. It was Mason that did this. And he said, what do you mean? And I said, the moment you got that call, this car pulled in and I showed him the picture on my phone. And I said, and this is what the license plate said. It said, the front license plate said danger. And the license plate frame surrounding the word danger said, Mason, let there be light. The frame itself said, Mason, let there be light. And I said, Matt, the moment you got that call, a license plate pulls in so aggressively that I can't help but look at it. And then I take a picture and it's danger surrounded by Mason and let there be light. I was like, he's telling us that he's here, that he's with us and that he's helping us. And we just both knew that that was a without a doubt sign that in that moment to get that. And let me just say that I had been getting signs in license plates, which sounds crazy, but one of the mediums that we first connected with um, that was absolutely channeling our dad um, giving us without a doubt signs. In fact, so clear she was communicating with our dad that she told me I was pregnant and that there was something about the 4th of July that my dad was, was saying, I'm pregnant in the 4th of July. She told me this in front of Sage and my mom and our other sister, Sky at our first session with her. And I was saying, I'm not pregnant. I just had a baby. I have a, I have a six month old. I'm not pregnant. And my sisters and mom were looking at me like, are you pregnant? And I'm like, no, when we leave here, I'll take a pregnancy test. Like dad's wrong. I'm not pregnant. I'm breastfeeding a newborn. And, you know, sure enough, when we left, I took a pregnancy test and I was, and my due date was the 4th of July. And I didn't even know I was pregnant at the time. So there's no way anybody else could have known. So the point is um, that woman, that, that medium, Karen Noe, uh, she had told me that my dad would be giving me signs in license plates so that I, there would be something for me in license plates. So I had already known back then to look at them. And I could tell you that I have an album in my phone that probably has 300 pictures of license plates that were so specific. Like my, um, like I was, I did a podcast not that long ago and I was talking all about Mason and I was talking all about um, signs from him. And when I got off the podcast, I had to go pick up my daughter from ballet and the car in front of me, the whole way to ballet said Kane, K-A-N-E 19. Mason's middle name is Kane. And he was 19 when he died. I mean, like ones that would say my dad's initials and then 888. I mean, just so, so specific. So anyway, um, I have gotten so many signs in the form of license plates and they, they always come at the, the craziest, most um, synchronistic times. And I'll send you that picture of that license plate that I took. So if you want to show it um, in the show notes, anybody can click on it and see.
Oh, I would love to. I'm like getting chills. I read the story that you just told in the book, but when you actually told it, I just, I, that was unbelievable. And, you know, here's the interesting thing. Like you said it in the beginning, Serena, like we are all spirits having a human experience. And just because you're the children of Wayne Dyer doesn't, exclude you from any of these human experiences and these tragedies in some ways. And, and thank God you were saved from that one with, with your um, husband. It's just like, man, life can be a roller coaster. And yet that's why I feel like this conversation is so important because I feel like whoever's listening right now, I feel like it's so important to remind people that they can connect with loved ones or even just the universe in general, if they need to ask for a sign, if they're making a big decision, or, mm-hmm. I mean, are, do you feel like you've sort of, this question is kind of for anyone, but you know, the cover of your book is a white feather. And I have a feeling that there's probably a lot of significance behind that. Do you feel like you're asking for signs all the time and getting them? Are you asking them for specific guidance or do you just kind of look out for signs just to know that you're being guided period. That's kind of a loaded question, but maybe we could talk about the feather <laughs> and kind of go from there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the feather is leading off of what Serena just said. The same psychic medium told us, uh, Karen Noe told us that your father will come to you in feathers that our loved ones often come to us and with feathers or butterflies or just things that, I mean, it seems like you could make anything a sign. I think that if you lose somebody and Um, I think Gabby Bernstein wrote about it in one of her books that, uh, or maybe she made a post about it after she had her recent loss, pregnancy loss, um, that she asked the universe to send her signs through blue butterflies. And so she started to see blue butterflies, you know? Um, And I think that you can choose what you want. So I looked for feathers and I think Serena did as well. And I had some really cool ones um, after my now husband uh, proposed to me when we were just dating uh, I at first uh, felt a little bit, well, I first felt very excited and I said, yes, mm-hmm. but then he started to call all his family members. And I had this sort of sadness settle in because I felt like, well, I would call my dad right now. That's who I would call, you know, and it sort of was taking away from the moment for me. And I didn't want it to be a sad moment for myself or for Anthony who had just, you know, planned this beautiful day and proposed to me and all of that. So I stopped and I got quiet while he was on the phone and wasn't noticing. And I just said, okay, dad, you're not here. I wish I could call you. Just send me a sign that you're with me. And as we got up from the bench five, 10 minutes later where he had proposed um, and went to walk back to, we had been on a bike ride. So went to walk back to our bikes. There was a huge feather, probably a foot long standing up in the grass, pure white. And, um, And I knew that, you know, I didn't notice it when we walked up not saying it wasn't there, but I just knew that that was my dad saying, you know, of course I'm here with you. Of course I'm watching, talk to me, tell me about it, you know? Um, And I think that to answer your question, kind of, I think that's, I think the universe gives us what we ask for and what we are aligned with. So like our dad used to say, you don't get in life what you want, you get what you are. So if you can, So I think it's both of those things. I think you need to ask for it and put it out there that you want signs from your loved ones, or even if it's not because you lost somebody and it's more, you want, you want um, guidance from the universe that you're on the right path and things like that. I think you have to ask for it and then you have to do the work 
yourself, which is align with it. Um, become, do, you do your daily spiritual practices, meditation, whatever it looks like for you to uh, heighten your energy, to become more aligned with what the universe is already trying to give you. You know, I think sometimes we're just missing it because we're vibrating a little bit lower than what it is we're seeking. So raise yourself up, become open to it and ask for it, whatever kind of signs or guidance that you're looking for. And I have to remind myself to do this all the time. I definitely did it more when my father first passed away and I was really seeking him. So I was constantly asking and looking. Now, I don't think it's like daily where I'm like, oh, a sign from my dad, but it definitely still happens regularly. Yeah. And I can say that um, one of the biggest uh, lessons that I've had to learn in the last few years during all of these difficult times of losing my dad and then my husband's arrest and then the trial and then being sentenced and then losing my stepson and all the financial insecurity that came along with that and just the overwhelming grief. And it was just a lot of things that took place in a really short period of time for me. Um, but I could say that one of the biggest things that I've had to learn is that um, we become so attached to how the sign is going to come or when or in what packaging it's going to arrive in that we miss, that when we are so attached to the how and the when and the where that we actually, we end up missing um, the beauty and the gifts and the guidance that really is there all along because we're, we're determined that no, it has to come on this day or it has to be this song or it has to be um, you know this color. And I think that for me, one of the things, um, because you were saying before, you know, that you know, we have had this spiritual upbringing and we are Wayne Dyer's daughters. So we had a very different upbringing, but yes, we absolutely have our own struggles and, and difficulties. But really, I think one of the things that I had to learn was that um, I, I think that one of the best parts about being raised in a spiritual household is that you are taught to um, take responsibility for everything that happens in your life, because ultimately you are the master of your fate. But I think one of the worst parts about being raised in a spiritual home is that you are taught to take responsibility for everything that happens in your life because you are the master of your fate. And what I mean by that is when all of these difficult, tragic, awful, awful situations were happening in my life time and time again, there was a long period of time where I really internalized that into shame and felt as though, you know, you don't get in life what you want, you get what you are. So I must be bad because all of these things that are happening are bad. And I, I know that I get in life what I am vibrating at, what I attract and all that, but why am I getting all of these bad things? And it was through the process of really writing this book and, and kind of having to actually do the work that I came to understand that um, I could look at all of these things that had happened as bad and Nobody could argue that losing a 19-year-old is not bad, that losing your father unexpectedly is not bad, that losing your money, all of your income, your finances is not bad. Um, but there was another way I could look at that. The other way to see that was to, to see all of those things and decide that they were rungs on the ladder, like we talk about in the book from the Rumi poem, there's a ladder that is placed before each of us at our birth, and it is our job, no one else's, 
to climb the ladder. And each rung we climb, we get closer to God consciousness, to divine love, to enlightenment or nirvana or whatever you want to call it. And that perhaps each of these situations that took place were not bad. They were rungs on the ladder that I had to climb, meaning they were opportunities for me to grow closer to love or closer to God. And if I could look at them in that light, I could become free from the pain of the experience. And instead of reduced or becoming the victim or becoming stuck as a result of so much trauma and so many bad things happening at, in such a short period of time, I could become transformed by them. I could become more in line with who I wanted to be. And ultimately at the place I'm at now, where I have the gift of hindsight, I can wholeheartedly say that the situations in my life that I thought were going to kill me, that I thought were the um, absolute worst, worst things that could happen to me, I can truly now say that I believe that I signed up to experience those so that I could grow, so that I could grow. And that we come here, as I said before, um, we come here to have this time in the classroom to grow. And then we go home and we go home with only what we learned in this lifetime. And for me, I think that um, it would be easy to say that, well, you know, you had really great parents. And so, um, you know, of course, things are easy for you or things work out. But my dad had really shit. But, you know, my dad had a really awful dad that walked out on him when he was a little boy and he grew up in foster homes. And and yeah, I had really great parents, but I still struggled and I still had to come to the place because we all do. Ultimately, my dad can't live my life for me and he can't, you know, fix Sage's thinking for her and he can't teach me to manifest for myself. Ultimately, we are here to have the experiences that are going to allow us to become closer to God if we allow ourselves to see them from that light. That's so beautiful. And it's perfect because I was actually just thinking about like, this is a great way to wrap it up. I have two things to say. First of all, could you both go on tour and take the stage like what your dad used to do? Because listening to these stories and listening to you both talk is so inspiring. So have you, have you considered that yet? Yeah, we want to, we want to, you know, COVID, there wasn't a lot of stages to go on, but we've done some speaking things and we definitely will do more in the future. Waiting for my eight month old to stop breastfeeding so I can have more freedom. I know <laughs> just you, bo you both have young kids. So I, I totally get it, you know, and I have young kids too. So I just think in time as, as you know, your careers evolve, obviously being a mother, being parents is is number one right now. So I totally get that. Um, but it's, you know what, you're doing it now. You're, you're, you're teaching through these podcasts. So that's incredible. I just wanted to just acknowledge and thank you for that. And, and I was kind of flipping through your book. Cause as you're talking, I was like, oh my gosh, Serena, that was the most perfect way to sort of wrap up our conversation because towards the end of your book, as you sum up what the knowing really is all about, you know, you did have that Oprah quote where nobody is responsible for your life. It doesn't matter what your mama did. It doesn't matter what your daddy didn't do. You are responsible for your life. And sometimes that's a hard pill to swallow because as you said, you attract what you are. And 
you just summed it up so beautifully explaining how those were opportunities for you to learn and to climb the ladder as you referenced Rumi, like just all the things you're saying, I'm just, they were so profound and so beautiful. And I just want to thank you so much. If, if, if I, if you could leave us with anything, is there anything you'd like to say um, just to sort of wrap up our conversation on the knowing and really what it means to you? Even though yeah, I know that's um, pretty much all we talked about, but if, you know, just a final <laughs> thought. <laughs> yeah, I would say I just, it, okay. I thought of the quote that our, that, that leads off of that Oprah quote. Um, it's uh, from AA where there are no justified resentments. And our dad used to say that to us all the time. And I think that a lot of us live our lives like, you know, it's because I'm this way because of what happened to me when I was this age or because of who my dad was or because of the way I was treated or bullied or, you know, but um, you have to shift that on its head. Cause if you live life through from that perspective of resenting people and uh, being the victim of your circumstances, you'll never take charge of your life. Like what we were just talking about. And you have, you know, it's making that shift into a different line of thinking, which we write about a lot in the book, but we cover so many topics in the book. So I don't know how to wrap it all up. That's where, that's what I thought of um, from that discussion. Yeah. And I would just say that um, for Sage and I, we both feel um, the reason we titled our book, The Knowing was because it's something that is in every one of us. It's something that is available to all of us. Um, We all have an internal compass or guide. We all have um, the ability to connect to divine guidance and wisdom and, and signs and messages at any moment. But we have to become open. We have to become open to receiving them and we have to surrender to the process of them showing up and not remain attached to the when and the where and the how, but to just let go and just let God, let go and just let God come in and guide your life. And you, if you can open yourself up to that, you will receive it in, in ways that um, will blow your mind. Like we wrote all about in our book that, you know, there were so many signs and messages that were just so incredible. um, Once we got to a place of being open to receiving. All right. Well, thank you, Sage. Thank you, Serena. It was an honor meeting you and it was to have you on the show and I'll put the link to the book, the knowing in the show notes. And for everyone who's listening, I look forward to seeing you next week where I will help you design the life you deserve. We talk to the animals and we know you can too. On the Animal Communication Podcast hosted by the three of us, myself, Julie Heert, Karen Dendy-Smith, and Meredith Tollison. We will show you how to deepen your relationship with your beloved animal companions, whether they're alive or in spirit. As soul-level animal communicators, we explain the process and explore topics such as health, behavior, and play, all from the animal's perspective. So subscribe and follow us on Apple, Spotify, and listen as part of the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network.